Well, good morning. We gather here in God's presence to come and to respond in worship. And we are thankful for God's call into our life to come and to remember who He is and to remember His grace to us in Christ. So I welcome you here that we gather in person, but those who are joining us online as well, I'm glad that we can be together as God's people. Uh, and as we begin, I just want to share a few announcements, things happening in the life of the church. Um, hopefully you grab an order of worship on the way in. Also, we'll be taking communion in the communion elements for in the, uh, the welcome table for you to pick up on the way in. Um, if you need some, we can make sure we, we hand them out later in the service. Um, but just a couple notes that on the inside of the order, there is information about children's classes and children's ministry and some notes about our worship service. And then all the way in the back, the last couple pages, there's announcements. And also there's a sheet that you can fill out if you'd like to share uh, information with the church that we could contact you or you can update information so if you're visiting, we're really glad that you're here and glad that you're joining us. And uh, you know, please uh, take a moment to introduce yourself after the service or share your information. You can fill it out here, or there's a link on that can go online and do it online as well. Also, a couple other things to mention is that uh, in the service today, we're, we're offering a prayer and blessing for our high school graduates. And then after the service, there is going to be cake and lemonade and water <laughs> outside uh, after the service. So please stay after and have a piece of cake. Uh, also, in to let you know, this Wednesday uh, is the, we're continuing our summer discussion about the means of grace, and so we're going to talk about prayer and how it's a way that God gives us grace, and it's actually going to be in the community space, not, not the teeny's backyard, but the community space on Wednesday uh, at, uh, what time is it, 7.30, yes, so, uh, so please join us if you're able to do that, and uh, that'd be great. Uh, the last thing to mention uh, is that Kids Week starts tomorrow, and so if you have not signed up your kids but wanted them to come, you can still do so. Um, I want to say special thanks to Melinda, who's there in the back, for organizing everything, and also our volunteers. We have, I think, around 30 kids that are going to participate. We're going to be meeting at Gross Park over on Lawrence, and so it'll be a great time, Monday through Friday, 10 to 11.30 a.m. So if you're interested in helping or signing up yourself, your kids or your, your neighbors or friends, please talk to Melinda or myself about that. So this time, any kids that are going to go to the preschool class or the children's worship, they can make their way to the back of the sanctuary, and Melinda will take them down to the basement. Those classes will continue through the service and end the same time our service does here. Well, God has called us to come, to come and respond to his grace. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 27. Will you stand with us and we'll all sing it together.
For he will hide me in shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. couple years we have taken a time in the summer to uh, offer a prayer and blessing to our, our students that are graduated from high school and so we're going to do that again uh, today um, and so I just want to take a moment to remind us that this is an opportunity for us as a congregation to celebrate these students to give thanks for them but also to affirm in a very public way that they wherever God will take them uh, after they finish high school that they have a spiritual home here at Lincoln Square Prez and so it's a chance for us to affirm that and also a, a way to encourage the students to remind them that they have been baptized and confirmed in Christ and to encourage them to remember the gospel and to remember God's call upon their life. And so I want to invite Pastor Eric and Romina and Grace and Nathaniel to come forward that we can offer a prayer and blessing for them. Nathaniel, Grace, and Romina, um, 
we are just so excited as a church community. Uh, we have been, uh, we have loved to watch you grow up and to see where God is taking you. Um, we are excited about the new opportunities that you have before you, and we're also just thankful uh, for the years that you have been with us, many of you from day one here since the church has started. Um, and me personally, uh, I've known you just for a few years, and I've just been very thankful for your friendship and your kindness towards me. Um, I'll just say this, that you are God's beloved children, that when he looks upon you, he sees his children, and he loves you deeply. And then lastly, this church, this church loves you, and we want to be a church home for you, no matter where God may take you. But real quick, know kind of where they're Nathaniel. Uh, master. And then Grace is going to be heading off to uh, Washington University in St. Louis, and her plans are to do urban uh, studies. And then Romina, you're going to be heading off to the University of Illinois, and your plan is to do industrial design. Uh, so we're excited for this new opportunity for you all. Let us pray, and then we will say a blessing for them. Loving God, gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today to celebrate and lift up our graduating seniors, Romina Greco, Grace Lewis, and Nathaniel Santiago. We are reminded that you have known Romina, Grace, and Nathaniel before their birth. You provided them with their first breaths and steps, and you continue to sustain their lives day by day. You sent your only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, out of love for each of them so that they might live in the freedom of the gospel. We come to give thanks for Romina, Grace, and Nathaniel and their families to our church community, the gift that they have been. While we have witnessed their baptism, confirmation, and their continued service to our church. Lord, we thank you for their parents who have spent countless hours loving and guiding them through good times and hard times. And we continue to ask that you would sustain their parents and remind them of your boundless love for their children. Gracious Father, loving God, we ask that if and when Romina, Grace, and Nathaniel feel alone, scared, filled with doubts, or feeling lost, that you would draw near to them and remind them that they are your beloved children in Christ. Provide for them a church family and community where they might continue to serve and grow in their faith. And may our church here at Lincoln Square Prez be a place of belonging and home for them. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Now, would you please stand with me and we will say this congregational blessing together over them. Romina, Grace, and Nathaniel, we give thanks for you and the call of faith you have received in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you continue to know the boundless love of God and rest in his forgiveness and grace alone. May you live with boldness, remembering the promise that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And may you seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before God, loving your neighbor as yourself. And may we, the church, continue to be a haven of love and grace 
that encourages and builds you up in the faith to the glory of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe just a quick round of applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Let us, let us continue praying um, as we draw into God's presence this morning. Gracious, merciful God, we come to you today on this hot day <laughs> filled with thirst and longing and needing to be refilled by you. Lord God, we often find ourselves in uh, places of dryness or feeling overwhelmed by the world around us, and yet you raise us up even when the floods pour in upon us. Lord God, we pray that you would draw near to us this day. Many of us come with suffering and sickness and longing that is unspoken, that is deep within us and we don't even know how to articulate. And yet, God, by your spirit, you draw near to us in those places. And we pray, we pray that by your grace, you would meet us there. Lord God, we, we know that as we gather together as your people, you promise to draw near to us by your spirit. And we pray for that here and now, that through the word and through the sacraments that you would draw near and that you would restore us to life and renew us again. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you, as you do this, that you would strengthen us as we go out to our families, our workplaces, our community, that we would be the hands and feet of Christ wherever we may go. We pray this in your holy name, amen, amen. Well, as we continue to draw near to God in worship, it is good and right for us um, to acknowledge where we've come up short, uh, the burdens that we bring, and to know that our God is not one who chides us, who hits us over the head, but he's one who graciously draws near to us. And so we will do this first in, in public confession and then in private confession. Almighty God, you have searched us and know us. You know when we sit down and when we rise up, and you are acquainted with all of our ways. Loving Father, we confess to you that there is nothing new about us that you do not already know. Give us courage to come to you with all our doubts, all our fears, and all our sin. Forgive us through Jesus Christ, our faithful Lord. Amen.
invite you to take a moment of quiet, um, to take your burdens and your confessions to the Lord. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have received in Christ Jesus our Lord. And give us confidence again to draw near to your throne of grace this very day. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me? We're going to recite these words of assurance from Philippians. These are beautiful words. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 14 through 20. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, go far from the Lord. To us this land is given for a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, though I remove them far off among the nations, and though I scatter them among the countries, Yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all of its detestable things and all of its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And then they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. The gospel lesson is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
can he enter a second time into his mother, mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good, good morning again. It's good to be worshiping together and to look at God's word. Uh, you'll notice that we are finished our sermon series on the letter of James and moving into a new series. And uh, as a way to, be, to begin, uh, just maybe mention something that you've noticed as well, but just in this past uh, week, I've come across headlines or podcasts or articles that wonder things like this. Why do we work so much? Or that tell us that we have to deal with an overwhelming amount of data and information and images on a daily basis or that there is rising anxiety about COVID or about the Delta variant or all sorts of other potential challenges. Maybe you can relate to those or other things that you've seen that highlight the, the burden that many of us feel or the things that fill our thoughts. There's a lot for us to feel. And many of us maybe feel weary or the unrelenting demands of what it means to be a good person or to be someone who's keeping up with things or doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so it's in the midst of those voices and feelings and expressions from either within us or around us that I think it's helpful for us to reflect on the work of God for us, on God's work for us. And the phrases such as the benefits of our redemption or the benefits of Christ are phrases that come from the Westminster Confession, the kind of reformed theological document that guides us. And they invite us to not think about you know, our power, our resources, what it is that we can bring to the table, but they speak rather of a loving God's work for us in Christ. God's work for you in Christ. And my hope is that as we look at those benefits of Christ or benefits of our redemption over the next few weeks, that they will be like a cool drink of water in a dry and weary land. The God who sees you and knows you and who has acted for you. So today we're going to look at a passage from Colossians 2 that invites us to begin thinking about these benefits of Christ. You can follow along in your order or you can just listen as I read, but this is Colossians 2, verse 8 through 14. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, 
through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage, I want us to see that there is a warning and there is an encouragement. So our sermon will have two parts. There'll be a, a warning and an encouragement. And the warning is right how we begin, right? See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, the spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Way back when I was a student in college, I had a summer job at an amusement park at Six Flags in St. Louis, and I worked on a small roller coaster called the Mine Train. Maybe some of you have been on it. It's meant to be kind of this, you know, pretend that your mine car got, went away, was racing through these caverns. Well, I mentioned that because there was, as you entered into the ride, this kind of large building that was supposed to look like a mining operation. There was a water tower and there was ropes and barrels, whatever, whatever things, you know, were supposed to be at this large mining operation. But if you go into the building, which I had the special privilege of seeing inside as an employee, inside the building there was not, you know, precious jewels or precious minerals of things you would mine. It was empty. It was just a facade. It was an empty building there to give an appearance. And if you can picture something like that, then we get what Paul is inviting us to see, that there are ideas, that there are things we're invited to that explains life that are hollow, that look interesting on the outside, that look good even, but they are empty. Do not give yourself to something that is hollow. Do not go into something that looks good or will make you look good or fit with what is expected but is empty. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul has in mind about certain philosophies or certain traditions that were going on. It, it could have been maybe those who were saying that to be really pleasing to God, you had to observe the Mosaic law or be circumcised. Or it could have been voices saying, if you're truly a Roman, if you're really part of the empire, then you'll keep practicing our pagan systems. In either case, though, Paul is saying that these things are empty ultimately because they are centered on human activity, what we can accomplish or what we can do. They're centered on us. There's an author named Thomas Akempis who wrote a, a book, a well-known book called The Imitation of Christ, and he has this quote that I've always, that stood out to me and is stuck in my mind. He writes, be patient in bearing the imperfections and weaknesses of others, just as others have to put up with your faults. And this is the part that he asks, if you cannot remake yourself in the way that you would like, why then do you expect another to fashion himself according to the pattern that you expect for them? If you can't make yourself the way you want to be, why would you expect others to fulfill that pattern in their life? It's similar to what C.S. Lewis asks in Mere Christianity, that if we can't even keep our own standard, how could we possibly keep God's? 
You see, what Paul is inviting us to see in this warning is that we are dead in our trespasses. That's what our passage will tell us. We are dead in our trespasses, and one who is dead is unable to make himself or herself alive. We lack the power to restore life, the power to make us who we were made to be. And therefore, we do not simply need new rules. We need more than insights. We need God to act for us and God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. To simply think about what we can learn or new rules that we can follow or religious practices, Paul says, they can be meaningful, but ultimately they're empty if at the center God is not acting for you. So in contrast to this interesting building that's actually empty, Paul, do you see, turns in our passage to offer Christ Christ is not empty. Rather, he says, in Christ is the whole fullness. He's full, fullness of deity dwelling bodily. See, there was a warning, but now Paul encourages us to give our attention to Christ, the one who has the fullness of God. And to remember, amazingly, God took on flesh in Jesus for us that we might be filled in him. See this contrast? Things aren't hollow. Christ was filled with God, God's bodily expression, his form. And he did this that we might be filled in him. The Gospel of John has this passage that says, From Christ's fullness have we received grace upon grace. See, without Christ, we are left separated from God, from ourselves, from others, from our true purpose in our existence. Because we're left simply with our resources, our work, our keeping up. So we're invited to remember, to encourage, to look, because we have been united to Christ, his fullness. And as one author says, entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of keeping a long list of rules or laws. No, we are filled through what Christ has gone through for us. And having spoken of this fullness and us being filled, Paul continues to speak of the benefits of our union with Christ. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This goes to what Romina read from Ezekiel, this longing that one day God will take our hearts of stone and give us new hearts. You have been buried with Christ in baptism. You were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with Christ. In the rest of our time, I want us to reflect on that benefit. Made alive together with Christ. This is about power, about God doing something we cannot, we're unable to do ourselves. Apart from God's grace, we're spiritually dead. In and of ourselves, we are unable to please God, unable to walk in God's ways, unable to make ourselves alive or who we long to be. And there are many traditions or enlightenments or religious actions that make us look better, but are hollow or insufficient to address our innermost problem. But God has acted 
God has acted to unite us to Christ in his death and resurrection. God has acted not because of our goodness or promises about the future, but God has acted in his sovereign mercy and love to give us new life, new birth, new hearts that would know God and respond to God. And if this is true, I want us to think how it fosters humility. Humility, right? One doesn't choose to be born. New life made alive. One who is dead is unable to make himself alive. We know this just from life. We don't give birth to yourself. In our physical birth, others gave birth to you. And so in the same way, our new birth in Christ is a gift from God. Such truths are wonderful, but they also humble us before God and humble us before one another. If we are followers of Christ, it's not because we are smarter or better than our neighbors. For we were dead in our trespasses, held captive by empty things. But God made us alive in his grace. So let us be humble and have attitudes of gratitude. Not only does it foster humility, but it fosters hope. There's a well-known poet named Louise Gluck. And in an interview, she talks about when she was a young child, she began to read poems. And she describes the experience saying that even back in that young age, I began to consider the poets and their words, began to consider their words, my companions. My companions. Words are my friends. Those who help me know who I am or help me remember. And I want us to think in the midst of our struggles and our sin, in the midst of our weariness or our burdens, or maybe if you're like me, in the midst of feeling pressure or feeling voices that will tell you what you haven't done or what you're not doing or make you drop your head, that may God's words be our companions. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven all your trespasses through the cross. Here is God's friendship telling us who we are, giving us hope even in the midst of our struggles. All our trespasses, Paul writes, all of our trespasses, canceling the record of doubt against us, Jesus set them aside. He set them aside, nailing it to the cross. I invite you to hold on to those words. Let them be a companion. Let them be our hope and our water in a dry and weary land. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and your good gift to us in Christ. I pray that you would bless us, that we may walk in the spirit of truth and to walk in that which is full. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us? We'll sing the song together.
Almighty God, your faithfulness to us knows no bounds. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. As we come again to the Lord's table, to Christ's table, um, this table is a reminder of the good news that we've just heard, that we are made new, that we have new life in our Lord, that He sustains us, that He's the source of our life. But it's not just that He gives us life, but that He continues to give it to us by His grace. And these elements, the bread and the wine, they point to that constant nourishment that we need, not only from hearing his word preached and spoken to us, but by actually eating and drinking, that God by his spirit will sustain us and make us whole again. So I want to welcome all of us here. Um, if you are a follower of Christ, if you confess him and, uh, and call him your Lord and King, then this table is meant for you. It's not a Presbyterian table. It's not a Lincoln Square table. Uh, it is your table. Um, because it is a gift from Christ. If that is not you, we are thankful that you are here, and we just offer that you spend the time in reflection and prayer and meditation upon what these elements point to. Let us pray. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, Lord, we do come to you in need of your grace and your mercy and your love. We are thankful that in Christ Jesus, that you bring that to us. Lord, we ask that you would take these elements, this bread and this wine, that you would make it holy, that you would use it to sustain us and feed us and build us up when we feel weak and low and in needing of that your presence is with us. Lord God, we pray this in the name of of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Um, we'll take a pause here. Does everyone have the, the cups? If you need one, Pastor Chad's here. He can get you one. I got Owen. Feel free to prepare those. On the night when our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, betrayed, after giving thanks, he broke the bread, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat. Likewise, in the same manner, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. 
For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that Christ has died and he has risen, and he lives now and forever. The body of Christ, broken for you, take and eat. The blood of Christ, given, poured out for you, take and drink. Let us give thanks. Gracious God, Lord, we thank you that each and every Lord's Day you draw near to us by your word and through these elements. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us, that you would meet us in those places. We thank you for Christ. We thank you that he has come, that he lives, and that our life is found in him. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us for the week ahead, for our work, for our families, that you would give us strength and and courage to move forward in the unknown. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you um, please stand with me, and we will respond to the Lord's table. Lord Jesus, you have shown us with your life, death, and resurrection, what faithfulness means. Strengthen us to be faithful to your gospel as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace.